0: water up there, was dry. There was a time, but old time was then young, the brave Caledonia, the chief of her line, from some of your northern deep. From, who knows nothing the brave Carol Dungas, they find. From Tweed to the Orchid days was her domain. To hunt or to pasture or to cheer's word. A heavenly relation they fixed her in and pledged their godheads to warrant it. Can in peace, yes. but a lion in war, the pride of our can let the heroine through. Her grand side, old rodent, I am the place, oh Where shall provoke you, then encounter shall shower With tillage of pasture, a time she would sport To feed her fair flocks by her green rustling corn But she the woods where her favourite resort Her darling amusements, the hounds and the I'm Long quiet cheering till the words tears. A flight of bold eagles from Madria's strand. The pitted successor for many long years. They darkened the air and they plundered the land. The pouncers were madder and of their cry. They ravaged and ruined the world beside. She took to her hills and her arrows let fly The dating invaders, they fled or they died The along savage disturbed her repose with tumult, disquiet, rebellion, and strife. Provoked beyond bearing, at last she arose and robbed mad ones of his hopes and his life. The Anglian lion. The terror of France Of frowling and sanguine The tweed silver flood, But taught by the bright Caledonian lands He learned to feed And his own native word The fell happy raven Took wing from the north the scourge of the sea and the tread of the shore The wild Scandinavian border shoot forth to wanton and carnage and wallowing and gore O'er countries and kingdoms the fury prevailed No arms could appease and no arms could repel But brave Caledonia in vain they assailed As love's welcome witness and long tell Thus bold and independent and conquered and free, our bright course of glory forever shall run. For brave Caledonia, motto must be, our fruit from you as clear as the sun, rectangle, triangle. The figure we'll choose, be bright as chance and old time is the base. But brave Caledonia's the high part to news the Nebdo she'll match them and match them always.
1: Welcome to the Christogenia Euroforum, the Christogenia European Fellowship Forum. Praise Yahweh. Today is Thursday, April 5th, 2012. This one really snuck up on me. The last European Fellowship Forum was three weeks ago, and and, um, this one still seemed a long way off when this morning rolled around. I'm going to um. I'm going to present one of my shorter essays today. I, I wrote this a year and a half ago. If I ever did it in a podcast before or on a program, I apologize. I don't remember doing it, and, and I can't find it. And, and I was sort of surprised that I hadn't done it. And and it needs to be done. It, it's um. And then I have a few um contemporary topics to discuss after this. This is a paper I wrote last well August in August of 2010 called What Is the World? And this is a um, this word world is a highly abused word by those who take a universalist position of scripture, and, and they love to take this word and apply it to the planet and everybody in it, and and that's an abuse. That that's not a definition. That's not what the Greeks ever had in mind. There are three Greek words which appear in the New Testament which are commonly translated as world in English. These three words are ahion or eon which is where we get the English word eon a long period of time. Cosmos and oikoumene. It has become very important to the doctrines of mainstream so-called Christian churches, that whenever these words appear and are translated as world, that they are understood to mean the entire planet and everything or everyone on it. However, that was certainly not the case to the ancient Greeks, and it is the meaning of these words to Greek readers in the first century which should govern how Christians understand them, because that's the way they were used. For the modern conception of the word is surely alien to any ideas which the Greeks themselves had when the New Testament was written. Here, each of those three words shall be discussed. The first word, ahion, or eon, Strong's number 165, is a period of existence, one's lifetime, a life, an age, a generation, a long space of time, a definite space of time, an era, an epoch, an age, a period. Hence its usage in plural, aistus aionas, meaning forever. That quote is that. That definition is from Liddell and Scott's Greek and Greek English Lexicon. The related word, aionius, Strong's number one sixty six, means lasting for an age, everlasting or eternal, depending on the context. According to Strong's Concordance, these words were rendered world or worlds a total of 42 times in the king james version of the bible while the word world has meanings which transcend its ordinary spatial sense and as we shall see further on the original meaning of the term was indeed temporal and not spatial The general perception of the words meaning today is certainly spatial. That's the way people understand it when you when when you use it in colloquial language, and not temporal. Rendering aion and and aionius or eon and eonius, which always have a temporal sense in Greek, as world, which today is most often perceived with a spatial sense in English, can create serious misconceptions in the interpretation of Scripture. The second word to be discussed is cosmos, Strong's number 2889. Cosmos appears approximately 182 times in the New Testament, with 85% of those occurrences being in John and Paul according to Moulton Geddon's concordance to the Greek Testament. The related verb, kosmeo Strong's number 2885, is to order, to arrange, to deck, adorn, equip, furnish, or dress. Liddell and Scott define cosmos as order, good order, good behavior. Decency, the form, the fashion of a thing, and of states, order, and government. Additionally, it's an ornament, a decoration, an embellishment, a dress. In, in a, um, sub, as a substantive, it could be a regulator, something that regulates. And and finally, it could be the world or universe, and this is according to Liddell and Scott, the world or universe from its perfect order, mankind, as we use the world in the NT, according to Liddell and Scott. And, And they had some churchianity in their definitions also. This last definition where Liddell and Scott show how the various New Testament Translators and commentators perceive the term's usage there certainly deserves further scrutiny. First of the other words translated world in the King James Version, Ahion and Ahionius are literally age and lasting foreign age. These are temporal. They are not Spatial terms. They don't describe the planet, they describe a length of time. And that in itself may give further insight into the flexibility of the definition of the word world in the King James translators' minds, the original translators' minds, not today's interpreters, especially since the original meaning what once the original meaning of the word world itself is examined. Second, there is another word translated world that does indeed explicitly refer to a geographic area. And that word is oikumene. Once we understand what oikumene means, then perhaps we can understand what cosmos means means in the manner that the greeks understood it liddell and scott define oikumene which appears in the new testament only approximately 15 times as the inhabited world a term used to designate the greek world as opposed to barbarian lands this is liddell and scott so in roman times it meant the roman world Strabo, the geographer, who died about 25 A.D. and therefore had written not long before Paul wrote, described the Oikoumene in his 17-book geography. It included practically all of the lands inhabited by the white races, and not only the Romans, but the Parthians, the Scythians, other white tribes of Asia, and all of Northern Africa, which was at this time white. Predominantly, Theodorus Siculus, writing about 40 BC, referred to the lands about India as the limits of the inhabited world, Tais in his Library of History, in, in, in Book One, Chapter Nineteen. This was the Oikumene, the physical world which the race of Adam inhabited, and we see that in Deuteronomy 32:8 which says that when Yahweh divided the lands amongst the descendants of Adam, he, he left the, the boundaries of those lands according to the number of the children of Israel. Those are the, that, that is the world, that Adamic world, those Adamic nations are those nations which Paul refers to in Acts chapter 17, verse 26, where he refers to that same thing, where he hearkens to Deuteronomy 32, 8, and he says that it was God who separated the, the Adamic nations. They all came from one, from, from one forefather, meaning Adam. He separated the Adamic nations and, and determined their boundaries and the times of their existence, the times of their their duration. That is the physical world, in spite of the fact That Strabo and Diodorus and other Greek writers knew very well of lands, lands inhabited by alien tribes, both in Africa to the south and far off to the east of India. And those lands were not considered a part of the Oikumene. And since they were not a part of the Oikumene, neither could they be included. In the Greek idea of the cosmos, the order of Greek world, the order of Greek society, and that's why I often define it society. It should be quite evident that if the Oikumene was the portion of the physical world inhabited by a damic man. And in the word and, and, and we have the use of the word oikumene in Luke chapter two verse one, where it clearly denotes only the Roman portion of that because Caesar was said to have gone out and taxed the whole world, the whole oikumene. And of course Caesar didn't tax anybody outside the boundaries of Roman society. If the oikumene was the portion of the physical world inhabited by an Oda- abdemic man, that, then the cosmos, the word cosmos, describes the order, the decorum, and the arrangement, as the word means, literally, of the oikumene. While the oikumene was the physical world, the cosmos was its society and its, its embellishment. Of course, the heavenly bodies were considered by the Greeks and Romans to be only another part of that embellishment, and those heavenly bodies were much more a part of the Greek and Roman world than we perceive them to be a part of our world today. Support for this idea is that cosmos, that the idea that cosmos is society is found in in archaeological journals and articles, including um, the May-June 2004 issue of Archaeology Odyssey, where where this same idea is presented on page 26 in an article entitled Is Homer Historical? by Gregory Nagy. And, And while I can't agree with all of the author's opinions concerning Homer and his writings, the definition of cosmos found on page 31 of that issue is a good one, where he explains that to the Spartans, the cosmos was the sum total of their government and their social order. The cosmos was their society. That's how the Greeks used the word later on. In the Hellenic world, it described Hellenic society. In the Roman world, it described Roman society can't take the world outside of those bounds and and apply it to what you want to apply it to. If the Greek-speaking apostles applied the word speaking to Greeks in the manner in which they understood it, it has to be limited to the white Greco-Roman world. This is certainly a far departure. From the universalist theologian's view of the world as the planet and everyone in it which is surely not an accurate view when it's compared with the ancient texts yet by necessity in the biblical context i must understand the word to refer to the society in the sense of adamic society anything more or less is intellectually dishonest interpreting scripture like interpreting any other archaic writing one cannot honestly change the meaning of a word as it was used by its original authors and presumed to understand the original message. Now, to take all of this a step further, it may very well be that the way in which the King James Version translators understood the word world is itself quite different than how we understand the word today. If we investigate the word world, in the American Heritage College Dictionary, 3rd edition, we find that it's derived from an Old and Middle English word. We are old, W-E-O-R-O-L-D, as they, that they have the Middle English spelling. And for that, we are referred to an entry for a supposed Proto-Indo-European word, W-I-R-O, in their appendix of Indo-European roots. When we check this entry, we find ultimately that the word world comes from the Germanic word were, which is akin to the Latin word vir for man. And we find that word were in in other Germanic words, the the word gild or the price of a man. And the Germanic word auld, which is a life or an age, were ald is the root of our word "world. And, and from that Germanic world, from that Germanic word "Ald," which is a life or an age, we get our modern English word old. That put together. The word world means only the age of man. The old of were. Were old. World. The age of man. Therefore, originally, world is a temporal term and not a spatial term. It means to refer to our Adamic age, and it does not mean everyone and everything on the planet or the planet itself. It's very likely that the King James translators back in 1611 understood the word world as these original English speakers of the Middle Ages understood it to mean the age of man. They understood it temporally and had no problem translating it in that manner. However, the word, the meaning of the word since then has been distorted heavily. A confusion over the meaning of this word has led us into total confusion when attempting to understand our own literature, especially our Bibles. Why do we let Satan publish dictionaries? The world is the age of Adamic man, and it should be nothing else, because, because it is only the white Adamic nations, which Yahweh our God conserved him, concerned himself with throughout our Bible, as evidenced in Genesis chapter 10, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, 8, in Luke 2, verse 1, and in Acts chapter 17, 26, and throughout the Bible. And and our universalist missionaries have attempted to extend the biblical world to all the other races, something that the Bible does not at all call for, that they really pervert and corrupt the original meanings of the Greek words which referred to the nations, the nations of the oikumene of that time, who were to receive the gospel. And they pervert that and corrupt it and, and take it well beyond the bounds of its original meaning. The oikoumene is the physical world where Adam kind dwelt, whether they be Greek or Roman or, or whatever period of of our history we were in. Daniel, the prophet interpreting the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, told the Book of Nebuchadnezzar that he would rule wheresoever the children of Adam dwell. We should never take our idea of our Adamic world beyond the bounds of our Adamic race. No matter where we live, the other races. That they might be in our world now because we put them there. But they are certainly not a part of our Bible, our scripture, our heritage. And and they're not a part of the righteous world that we should have under God. The cosmos is the order, the decorum, the, the, the society is the best way to translate the word cosmos which is why it is usually society in the Christogenian New Testament. It, it's the only word which, which can completely encapsulate the way that the Greeks understood the word cosmos to mean. It was the order of their oikumene. You have the, the, the Adamic living space, which is the oikumene, and cosmos is the order, the arrangement of that oikumene. It's society. That's the best definition for the word. And, of course, an eon is an age, as it is throughout the Christian New Testament. So that's why I translate those words in the manner that I have, and I will continue to translate them in that manner, because that's the way the ancient Greeks understood them. So that's what the world is in the Bible. It's the, the the white Adamic world that's defined in Deuteronomy chapter thirty-two eight, and we should never take the biblical idea of world beyond that. We should never do that because then we're perverting the scripture. It's that simple. Speak about things a little more colloquial. a a little more modern, a a little more contemporary, I should say. There are some ads that, this it was brought to my attention last night, and maybe some of our British friends would want to talk about this. It was brought to my attention last night that um, there's a new law being debated in Britain, and the Brits are to pay, well, an, an estimated figure of about $3 billion a year for storage and management of all of records of all of their communications, the websites they visit, their text messages, their emails, every single communication electronically made in Britain would be stored in, in a massive database at, at the cost of at least $3 billion a year. And it, it's a massive endeavor, right? This, um, it's written on RT Today, that Russia Today, RT.com, that the bill is aimed at finding potential terrorists and criminals in the name of protecting British citizens. However, Brits themselves might need protection from the side effects caused by the new policy. According to the Information Commissioner's Office, an independent Watchdog upholding information rights in the public interest. Once implemented, the bill may lead to innocents being wrongly identified as criminals, or worse still, terrorists. It would give the government the ability to data mine, to to troll through all of that information, and, and search for any but anything that they think is unpopular or, or um what. Well, to get to the point, anything they think might be racist or up upsetting to the self-imposed what well, well to the government imposed tyranny so it is self-imposed in a way to this government imposed tyranny that we're all forced to live under in, in the various western nations today in, in order that our governments can uphold multiculturalism and diversity and and this seems to me like it's going to be a um if this bill passes It's not a far cry that these people would immediately begin to use the data collected in order to identify dissidents to to the the multicultural New World Order that they're trying to force on our people. And I'm sure that's what they'll use it for immediately. There's no doubt. If you wanted to really get rid of the criminals and the terrorists in Great Britain, well, they would deport all the Arabs and all the Negroes, that they would get rid of all the Muslims and all the gypsies, that would get rid of all the terrorists, and that would get rid of all the criminals, that there's no doubt in my mind, what they really want it's, I explained a long time ago on a forum that um, if man wants to define nature, man has to erect a huge artificial apparatus in in any realm that that man wants to do this in, if you want to go down underneath the sea and 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 where man isn't made to to dwell, then you need a submarine, right? Submarines are very expensive, right? Or, or a bathysphere, and and that, they're not too mobile, but they're very expensive, and it would cost millions of dollars to build a submarine or a bathysphere so that man can dwell outside of his natural habitat. Well, the same thing works with with nations. The same thing works with governments. If you want to force disparate groups of people to live together, then you have to erect a huge unnatural apparatus, man-made apparatus, in order to support that. And the great society, the welfare society that we built in the 1970s and 1980s in America was basically one manifestation of that, the building of a huge artificial apparatus so that man can defy nature. And and that's still not working. So the government needs to erect a police state with greater and greater powers in order to force man to live outside of the natural boundaries so that the government can defy nature and force disparate peoples to live together. And, and this is what we have here. That this is that, that they can't... That, that They're so afraid of being toppled. They're so afraid of, of the natural uprising and, and the the natural um, I, I'm, I'm wanting a word right now the the natural consequences of the defiance of nature and, and they're so afraid of of those consequences coming to a head and, and of the backlash that's going to happen when you force aliens onto a people and and when you force alien groups to live together. And it's it's going to cause nothing but problems. And, and here we have it: the Jews are totally in control of of England, and they're they're practically in the same amount of control in the United States. And they know that their position is tenuous, and they're pulling out all the stops to head off all opposition to their position of control. And and this is just one of them. They don't want the powder keg blowing up. They don't want this this multicultural perversity that they built the world into to fall apart and they're going to do everything they can in order to try to keep it together and, and this is um it, it's not only happening in britain it's happening here too it, it's in in arizona arizona just passed what what tech calls an internet censorship bill so ridiculous that even the most progressive left-wing internet groups are against it and, and this bill in Arizona is um going to allow the state of Arizona broad censorship power over the internet in Arizona and, and if it catches on there I'm sure we'll find it elsewhere it, it's aimed it, it's disguised as a bill aiming at bullying and stalking what which we always hear about cyber bullying on the internet and um I think the media plays that up so that they could hope for hope for um censorship on the internet which so far is pretty much censorship free here in America and in west in, in um, western Europe. Well well this bill in Arizona is basically a draconian bill it it They they want total control and and total ability to censure anything they want from the Internet if they feel that that it's um, racist or unfairly singling anybody out. Basically, if the state doesn't like something, the state is going to to claim the authority to banish it from the Internet and to prosecute the producers of the information. So so this can really be... um, that this bill is, is borders on internet tyranny but by a, um, by a state government. And it's evil. And if it catches on, it's going to be spread to other states. There's, I have no doubt if it succeeds in Arizona, that they're going to be trying this in states all over the country. And, and it's, it's another way for, for the powers that be to squash any possible put fair political opposition. And it's a total infringement of, of free speech. In, in Britain, it, it's a lot worse than this because you can't even – that they want to track every website that you visit and keep a permanent record of that in their database. And that can lead to all sorts of um, evil and horrible things happening to people, even if they trip over certain websites in, in a search engine and, and go visit and read that website. And and don't really subscribe to anything the website has to say necessarily. Yet they'll be identified with that website forever in a government database, and that's evil. Okay, I'm going to turn on some of the um the the microphones of our European friends. If anybody else has anything to say, it, it's they're more than welcome.
2: Well, I'd like to come in on that, because I think already the British government has received a tremendous backlash from the people. Uh, There's an 85,000 signature petition, which has got to that figure within about 36 hours. Um, The newspapers have come out against it. Everybody's up in arms. Absolutely everybody. So people are being alerted to it, which is good and the government has backed off to a degree in that it said they're going to publish this bill, which they haven't published yet, but it will only be in draft form so that we can discuss it. Now that's a major step back for them. They realize well, well, that they, they've gone too far.
1: Well, well, I hope so. I hope that the Brits, that the British people have the resolve to, to um, stand against this and, and that they're successful. And, and if the government goes and does it anyway, then I hope that the British people are found marching uh, on parliament with pitchforks and skies. It's getting more and more tyrannical that this, that this, I really think that the Jews, that the internet is, um, is the wild west of, of communications. And, and the only place even though there's a ton of garbage on the internet, it's the only place where you find any public forum where people can oppose, can, can express opposition yeah. to what the oligarchs are doing and the international oh. Jews are doing, and, and they don't like that opposition being expressed. They don't like that at all.
2: That's right. That's right. Uh, but the government here, are fighting on quite a few fronts at the moment because Um, They've tried to uh, redefine marriage uh, to include gays, and there's been a tremendous backlash against that. Um, uh, There's an e-petition, a government e-petition by the people, um, and it's reached about half a million in a very short time. Um, People saying, no, you can't tamper with the definition of marriage to include gays. They already have civil partnerships. But you know, people are saying, "Well, no." And um, uh, Cameron has actually said uh, he doesn't want to take on the church or fall out with the church. Um, so, but there is there is this enormous um, battle going on on that front. Um, he's quite steadfast that he wants to include them, and the people are, have really risen up and said no, which is. I'm amazed that
3: there's been so many voices. I'm going to point that out also, that the Internet is a big factor in opposing the border. Yeah, I imagine if we didn't have the Internet, we would probably be, in, be enslaved or be in revolution now. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yes, lot. Way. electronic curtain hasn't come
3: down yet, has it? Not yet. They're trying to, but uh, yeah. I think that's a big factor. And I mean, just uh, the elections this year and uh, primary so far, uh, American thing, but uh, even at that, now people are right there with their phones recording the <clears throat> all the all faults and stuff like that and the in these uh, primaries voter fraud is everywhere
2: <laughs> well the die machines were always um, perfect um, vehicles for uh, ba- fraud at the ballot box weren't they
3: yeah I mean they got their eyeball on us and recording everything that we're doing well, we're recording everything they're doing a lot of it
2: yes there's not yeah. much difference really no. I
3: think Americans have got a bit more free speech. Uh, you know they're they're really they're really the the world order is really pushing the agenda now. Yeah, they're going for the juggler. I I feel. Oh, they know
2: that time is
3: short. No, it's short. That's right, and a lot of people are are uh, waking up. Uh, like again, you know this election that's in the states. Uh, it's not only, you know, Ron Paul uh, probably won't make it, but still you're hearing young kids uh, talking about uh, ending the Federal Reserve and everything. Uh, that's that's one of the things that got Kennedy, his head blown off.
4: Yeah.
3: Uh, mi- you know, middling in with the money and everything. And anytime time, you know, money, you don't want to. <laughs> that's really getting personal for them uh yeah it's it's very interesting and it's a, it's a blessing about the internet I mean look at us here tonight <laughs> gathering together
1: Well well it's um it, it's that they're gonna have to that they're going to keep searching for ways to contain the internet. They have oh, yeah. the the mainstream media locked up. Ninety five percent of the mainstream media is owned by six companies, and and of course they're all controlled by Jewish companies. I, I I'm sure that's in America. I'm sure it's not much different in in um even in Britain. No. I, I know there's a lot less mainstream media choices even in in Great Britain than there are here. That the um the european continent doesn't seem to be any any different either that they, they have it all sewed up they they have a they a, hand, a handful of media conglomerates that own all the media and and the jews control every bit of it there's no opposition that there's no that they they stay with this same um dictated dichotomy of liberal and conservative whether you're in britain or america or or on a continent and and anybody with a a um a third way or anybody that's a true conservative it yeah. is just just um, beaten out of existence or, or ignored Ron Paul's ignored by the media because yeah. they can't defeat his arguments so th- so they ignore him and, and that's you know you I'm doing? not saying Ron Paul's the answer to anything no. but but of course he's better than any of the clowns that are running in, in, in the um, that the media prefers they've chosen the candidates the bottom line is that they've chosen the candidates now for for um for the most part for a hundred years in America.
3: Right. Yep. Exactly. I I do believe that. I mean, it's already it's already in the bag. But I think it's going to be a little rough rougher going with the well, Obama. Well, why
5: they why have the they people. brought this other ruling that they want to have secret trials? that is on the back of this um, yeah. um, internet searching. oh right
1: that's right yes well there's a Thank similar you. law that's here in the United States, States just passed recently that um, that, that it has basically done away with hobbyist corpus and, and allowed the government to to, to, um, <clears throat> to imprison Americans without a trial and and, and without evidence, without presenting evidence or anything
3: National hmm. Defense Authorization Act, I think. Right. It's. Yeah, now that's that's against the Constitution.
1: I mean, that's blatant. It, it's absolutely so, blatant. And any military man right that, that upholds that National Defense Authorization Act, Authorization Act is a traitor. traitor.
3: Anyone that follows it is a traitor. Those people that put it together... Just like over here in Britain, those people putting that uh, that legislation together, they are traitors. That's it. This is a war.
2: But much of our uh, legislation on both sides of the Atlantic seems a, a mirror image, um, you know, of yes. the other side. I mean, America's got its Patriot Act, and we've got something equally... Um, obscene, which is the Civil Contingencies Bill right. uh, Act, rather. You know, it's, it's virtually the same sort of thing. Um, we've got a, a homeland security, and you've got homeland security, and it, it's very much a mirror image as, as to what's going on.
3: Oh, and also you notice, too, how uh, the media here in, in Britain, well, uh, they – They'll say the same thing as the other channels. They're almost. are all in. Uh, how would you say in stereo? Same thing. What one was? Bring up something. The exact same thing on BBC uh, one or that, two and ITV. It's the same every day. Same thing. Yeah. It's, it's and it's just like in the states or anywhere. It's. Um. They're all in harmony. Same. Same information. Uh, during, just like during 9-11, same thing, you know, this person, and bringing up all these, uh, and then 7-7, they had the bombing of the train station, same thing, you know, right away, Muslim terrorists, you go to, go to ITV, Muslim terrorist. same thing, orchestrated the same way. There, that is a conspiracy right there, uh,
1: Well, well I did a program Saturday on um on Jewish ritual murder and and missing children and pedophilia and and tried to tie it all together because it all belongs tied together right uh, and and um, that one, that's, uh, I plan or I hope to do a couple of follow-ups on that program that program actually has about 500 downloads the first four days I had it posted yes. which is excellent um,
3: that
1: very I plan to do a couple of follow-ups. I would like, as the European, my European friends see more information, that they, they they bring it to my attention, right? But because I don't get a lot of news from Europe, and I don't have time to 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 um right. troll all of the the news outlets, and and um, I'm am sure that the people here spend a lot more time looking at European-based news sites than I do. It, it's um. Black on on black on white and and alien on white crime I I should say I I would also like to because I have a section on the Saxon Messenger said website the beasts that, that dwell among us but right now it's heavily biased towards American news reports because I see a lot more American news reports I know yeah. that equal things are are happening in Europe but but I don't get, you know have them commonly brought to my attention and, and I would appreciate it if they were more often in in an email yes. or in, in a Skype, a link on Skype or or something. I, I would like to balance that section of the website out so that it, it's basically even with, with European and American reports, right? But there are a couple of major pedophilia cases in, in Europe these past couple of years that I didn't get into my, um, my, my lambs to the slaughter presentation the other night, but I would like to, to, to discuss them again in the near future. And and um, more information on them is always invited. There was a big case in Belgium and in, in the Netherlands recently, and, and I have to get more information on them. That the, I know the pedophilia problem in, in Europe is at least, and, and probably even worse than it is in the United States. It's incredible.
4: Yeah.
3: Over here, you just hear about Steve Lawrence. Uh, they're all jumping. At, shove that down your throat all the time.
1: Yeah. Well, well, I think that they like to have one case that they could kick around all the time because mm-hmm. they're ignoring all the other cases, right? Yeah. And but then the but
2: they've been beatings. doing this one for 18 years. Yeah. You can't believe it. 18 years.
3: Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable.
2: And they say that we're all institutionally racist. Yeah. Well, they, when they say that, they mean the whites.
1: Well, they're right about that. I know I am, so. Well, well that's why I need more, more cases of, of um, you, you see, alien on white crime, when whites are the victims and aliens are the perpetrators, the, the news coverage is usually only local and never national. And it's that's never, certainly never, the case here in the United States.
2: It's never addressed in terms of race.
1: Well, well, that's to,
2: to to avoid mentioning the surname if the surname might be an indication of race, and they certainly don't don't mention the skin color.
1: Right. But here, what when it's it? black on when it's white, when, when well, whites when the it, aggressors.
2: When, it, when it's black on white, yeah,
1: never. When well, whites the aggressors, the skin colors always mentioned. And it's always national news. But when yes. white are the victims, the skin color is never mentioned, and it's usually only local news.
2: Yeah. And then it's quickly forgotten, or buried, rather. There
1: were, a, there were a couple of cases here that should have went national, that were important enough to go national, and I only found out about them from the front page of the, of the Daily Mail in the UK, well, which is right. incredible. Yeah. But they won't advertise it here. They, they they won't make an issue of it here, which empowers the aliens to play the role of victim and and um, basically gives them the a, a ticket to um, go out and perpetrate crimes against whites. And that's exactly what's going on with this Trayvon Martin case right now is the media is actually inciting acts of racial violence. And they have misportrayal of the Trayvon Martin affair. And there have been several acts of racial violence against whites, which have come from the Trayvon Martin, which has resulted from the Trayvon Martin affair, which were clearly incited by the media's misrepresentation of the case in, yeah, in the national idea. news here.
3: Well, there uh, there is a website. What was it that website, Tia, that was... I am an Englishman, or... Oh, yes. at all statistics? those statistics.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's definitely an important one to go to.
3: Um, um, we've look-
2: actually used that in the Saxon Messenger.
3: Right. And that keeps you updated. That's right. I was so... I was so set back on the, the crimes that uh, these Pakistanis, Indians, are... You know, to look at them, they—they're like so. They're portrayed being so passive and all this stuff, but they're very brutal and very violent, and uh, they like to gang rape the white girls, grown women. Uh, I really was uh, very surprised about that.
2: Um, I think that website like closed down, but um, whether it's—I st- think it's still there.
3: Find it here. I know I have another one there. I think I sent to.
2: That's British resistance.
3: Yeah, there's one that. Well, no, that's uh, that one. I think I sent to Clifton, and oh, but it's called New Nation, Black on White Crime. Clifton did uh, comment on it that more than what they were saying. Crimes are was uh, actually fifty percent more, than almost a hundred percent. But it gives uh, what I was pointing out in this. It gives you shows you the the black on white uh, crime that happened. Show the criminals and the <clears throat> and the whites, and it's uh, it's just butchering them. Whites are just being butchered.
5: And the young that, women are being destroyed. They're all easy meat to the uh, Asian. They've been told that they can uh, practice on the English. Yes, they don't and, marry them.
3: How they take young girls 10 years old and and shower uh, them with all these gifts and everything. I believe we talked about it before. I was just beside myself. Normally, it's, you know, just the blacks that you would... These are so-called nice little Indians and Pakistanis running around here. Well, it was really, really surprising to me. I guess that's what happens when you have rats. What do you think
5: about the... uh man who's got him for Bradford Ah, I can't think of his name is it the respect party or
2: yeah it's the respect party yeah well well, he's got a he says that the British electorate have been completely alienated by the political parties now he's, he's absolutely right
5: yes
2: oh um but he, unfortunately, you see, he has this soft spot for the um,
0: yes. for the minorities.
2: And if you remember, he went to Saddam Hussein uh, before the just as the Iraq War was breaking out. Do you remember? Yes.
5: Yeah. Um, yes.
2: So. Uh, I wasn't surprised that he got in with such an overwhelming vote in in uh, Bradford. I mean, he had ten thousand majority. Um, yes. So the the other the sitting guy had lost six thousand, so he actually had sixteen thousand majority, which is unheard
3: of.
5: Yes. Yes.
3: Um, this was not to interrupt you, ladies, but this website here. Uh,
0: which one?
3: org. You'll find on the left side of the page Europe dash Europe, and it gives you a lot of information.
0: Can, about you, put black in the... white
3: crime. can
0: you put it in? Black on white crime. man
3: jailed for raping woman as she slept at a house and living all kinds of stuff. Can can you into a woman's home to rape her.
2: <laughs> Can you print it out for us?
3: Sure, I'll send it. Uh, really really
2: can you copy and paste it
3: right there where I put it under forum
2: oh I'm on.
3: oh sorry yeah okay my other one doesn't work, I can't get
2: No, I can't work the other one. I also I also found this one.
3: But uh that, that keeps up. Oh there you go. I I was just really surprised at the amount of crime that happens. Well it's suppressed, isn't it? it sure is. Is, I mean, all you hear over here uh, in Northern Ireland is sectarian this and sectarian this, and loyalists attacked uh, uh, some Republicans and Republicans retaliated, and they got, and they they don't they tell you nothing really what's going. On. Sure, that anywhere you have blacks and stuff, crime, you never hear anything about
1: it. Well, while the time's going to come when the loyalists of the Republicans are going to have to figure out that they have to stand together. Yeah,
3: exactly. That's what uh, I've talked to them um, about. And, you know, they tell you, well, Bill, or well, then, um, I never had a darkie or a, a Pakistani try to kill me. And, well, not yet. Not yet. It's going to happen. It'll happen. Just look at down south. They're running amok. They they are having a field day uh, because, uh, especially over here, white men and everybody has their hands tied. You know, not allowed to retaliate or not allowed to do anything. Someone breaks into your house, you gotta better just give them cookies and milk and everything and make them comfortable and
1: stuff, <laughs> right, ladies? <laughs> Well, well we basically have our hands tied now because we didn't stand together yesterday yes yeah you know i I mean even a hundred years ago well when the cops come to your neighbor's house and they're taking your neighbor away you what the, the average person thinks oh well I'm glad it ain't me
3: yeah right oh they probably deserved it what they did so yeah
2: there's no smoke without fire that's what they think isn't it
3: I, I just, it's, it's amazing how they, the brainwashing of our race that, oh. uh, you know, of course it's whites are the racists. Of course they are. Mm. Yeah. You don't want your children to go to school. How dare you be like that? And, yeah. uh, it's, you know, it's, it especially these so young mothers that? coming up now they've been, brain. Yeah. This is like the second generation, uh, uh, the MTV generation is.
2: Oh, we're yeah. such racist that they all want to come and live here.
3: Yes. Well, they want everything. You got all the big buildings and everything's nice, and you got free, free everything for them. They don't have to. They don't even have to work. What more? This is almost like heaven. Probably better than heaven for them. Like the South Africans, if they wanted that government, I would have left give it to them in ashes. There, you want it? There, burn it all down.
2: Well, the whites there uh, na- naively believed that it wouldn't work out this way, didn't it? And uh, they couldn't have been more wrong.
3: At least right. some of them that way. Yeah, they did. And they thought, well, they will. but of course, they'd never get a chance. There's not a good chance, and ever a, a white man is ever going to be. Vo- Back in as prime minister in South Africa, or yeah, but it's,
2: going to crumb, it's, it's crumbling. All the infrastructure's going.
3: Everything. Oh, of going. course. Not, this is, they're not used to living like this. Not. Uh, they're used to living out there where they can run down the animals, and no social behavior is violence. Very violent. I don't know. I don't know how long the white people are going to put up with it. Any of our countries. A lot of people are angry and upset about it, but yet it just keeps on going on. Passing these legislation in our governments and our government... Um,
5: there is Many a treasons. question I, I'd like to ask, you know, about um, about that. I did hear a program that said that the Queen reigns. She doesn't rule. And um, in 2 Samuel 7, verse 8, um, King David... Uh, David was told by the Almighty that he would rule Israel. And I wondered when the change came uh, is it the male would rule? I'm not sure about previous kings before the queen we've got now, but she reigns, which is quite different from ruling, she has That's no authority. Yeah, but that's
2: come about through politics over the years, hasn't it?
5: Mm. Yeah, but the Bi made such a big thing, you know, out of the Queen's authority. Right. But she never ruled, so she had no input to Parliament. Don't you think that just wasn't a distraction? They could get away with, and that's where we are today, because they just tell her what to sign.
3: So are you saying that she would probably more be more conservative than than uh, the parliament itself and the House of Lords? No,
5: she she has no say. I think someone did say to me that if Queen Victoria didn't like um, uh, something that she right. had to sign, she would not sign it. Um, but she had a husband that probably uh, you know gave her input or she had her own input I'm not implying that she didn't have her own opinion but she wouldn't sign well there's all this I mean why does a queen keep signing she knows uh, what's right and what's wrong
1: How many times have we been in trouble because of weak monarchs in in our history? But as soon as
2: she refuses to sign something, uh, that will virtually be the end of the monarchy. She knows that. And therefore, if she is holding back, she is holding back for the Samson option. You know, she can only do it once.
5: Yes. That's what I feel. That's what she's doing. But that they must have said to them that they will be given um, be titular head of Europe or some such. Um, no,
2: because she was promise. made a citizen. She was made a citizen of of,
1: of of Europe. I don't see how she ever stands up now. If you go back to, to, if you go back
2: to when she became queen, it was it was very unexpected because her father very conveniently died. Yes, he wasn't an old man; he was he was still in the prime of life, but he was allegedly suffering from cancer or something.
0: But yes. that did
2: leave, that very conveniently left a, a young woman, um, yes. you know, as head of, of the country and the British Empire. And, of course, she she was surrounded by very, very crafty politicians and probably has been ever since.
1: Well, well, right. I've seen her as actually a very weak queen. I I mean, she might be a long-lived woman, but that doesn't make her a strong-willed one.
5: Right.
1: No. Not like Victoria.
5: Between her and Victoria, Uh, she came to the throne very young, but she had a... A has husband behind her. I'm sure. But... And they got
2: rid of him as well, didn't they? Yes.
5: Yeah. He died at the age of
2: forty-two from poisoning.
5: Yes. Absolutely. Yes, I know
2: a
3: lot of that. That's true, huh? Yeah. That devastated her. That. Well. Well, well
1: if you um... want to let the devil into your home, things like that start to happen. It, yes. It's only natural. And that's what they did, and, and British Israel that they adopted the devil, and and look at what the devil's done to British Israel. That mm. they've all um, embraced the Jews. Yes. Even Victoria, she, she embraced Israeli. Yes, that's right. right. Yes. She fell for all his flattery, typical yes. Jewish flattery yes yeah. and she fell for a lock stock and barrel she she he had he had her right in his hand yes lot a lot of, a lot of uh, especially young white women go for those they want yes. the flattery and the attention that they don't get from white men right no and I've seen that over and over again with Negroes and, and white women in, in these modern times Yes. yeah. Blacks will
3: spend every dime they have on her. Uh, uh, Escort her around like a trophy. Right. That's true, too. I've heard them talking.
1: They love the attention. Oh. I've
3: heard them. I've, I've worked with blacks, a lot of blacks. Real big thing. They try to act like it isn't, but it is.
1: Well, well, I've seen um, rather fit 30-year-old blacks who who preferred a fat, dumpy, 50-year-old white woman to to a black woman their own age. Because
2: it was a a white trophy.
1: (laughs) Right, because it's a trophy, and the white woman loves the attention and dotes all over her her young lover. I've Mm. seen it over and over
3: again.
1: It's absolutely disgusting. And she's
3: spending every dime on him too.
1: <clears throat> so. And and women like that are being accepted in society, so 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 they're made to feel comfortable in society doing those things.
3: It's like white men with um white men with the Asian woman, Mexican women. Get some of these yes. older white guys, and they just head over heels over these.
5: Well, I feel that English men, uh, uh, English women have got such strong opinions now, and, and emancipation mm. that that they are English men um, go for these other women because they're more subdued, if I could put it like that, and they have um, more of a proper relationship where they feel that they're the man in the family whereas with English couples uh, it it isn't so anymore
1: because the men are emasculated
5: yes that's right
1: the men aren't men anymore
5: particularly Asian women and sort of um, far eastern women because they feel more comfortable with them. They're not opinionated. And
3: well, I think a lot of it too... it's oh, pretty boring to me. <laughs> yeah. Pardon? I didn't say a word, Doris. Oh, sorry. <laughs> 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 well, nothing like having a nice white couple. Like a nice white woman or a nice husband that's white, all white. Both have a lot in common right there. That's the first thing. My parents always taught us that's, that's the first thing. Is they have to be your own kind and uh, to get along. Mm-hmm. And that's why most mixed couples, mixed race couples, are, yeah. Uh, Mixed race marriages fall apart. They never, they never last. Have any? You don't have the spiritual connection, the racial connection, and after that,
5: well, the, maybe we've the, got uh, to, go uh, back to square one, so the Almighty can start again, so to speak.
3: Yeah, it's just like in this. Um, on this uh, website here, you see uh, some of these murders, horrendous murders, chopping a woman up and putting her in a plastic bag. You know, she dated this black guy, and he got got jealous of her and hired her, so he, you know, does what he does best, and chomp them up and put him in a bag, and he's nice <laughs> enough to put her out by the trash, you know. He doesn't lay in some yard somewhere, you know, he's at least nice enough to chop her up and put her in a bag. Trash, but that's that's what happens, you know. And people, a lot of these young girls don't see this kind of stuff because on TV. And who else points it out to them? No one points it out to them. All they see is these uh, non-white men, how funny they are, intelligent. I mean, you see these beautiful, blonde, blue-eyed women uh, English girls going out with these Asian, I mean, Chinese, Asian guys, Japanese and all that. It's all gone berserk.
2: Well, certainly every piece of advertising
3: will have
2: um, mixed couples. And yeah. um, even even if there's about, what, four, four people in the advert, at least three are going to be non-white.
3: Now, look at your furniture commercials. Always in a furniture commercial. Then they even furnish, in the furniture commercial, children. And they're usually half-breeds. Yeah. The white woman with the black man, of course, she's well-dressed and everything. He's buying her all this beautiful bedroom set. And, you know, naturally a blonde, not be seen with another blonde man. A black man, that's natural.
1: Well, well, it's disgusting what the media is doing, but we have to understand it. That, that's, um, that this our is board. the age of Satan. they the princes of darkness. The, the Jews are behind all of this. And, and um, it, it's our duty just to keep exposing the evil in one way or another. All right.
5: The other point is, you know, they're talking about how much unemployment there is now. Oh, I mean, it's the same in the US, but they're now having self checkouts at the supermarket, so they don't have so many have to employ so many staff. So there's no Self-check- staff. All oh, right, yes. Mm-hmm. And the manpower will be reduced slowly. And uh, I mean, it's defeating its own object. Very yeah. soon we'll just talk to a machine, like we try <laughs> on. on in the, on the telephone uh, machine answers and um, we will do that in the supermarkets, so you've got no one to complain to and um, <laughs> it's like the fair trade food Um, it, it will be a world competition in the food industry and then everything will go downhill the welfare of animals will be jeopardised and uh, there's no end to the horror that will be the world if, if all this comes about. I feel it's hor- horrifying. That
3: is. Uh, I was at ASDA yesterday, and uh, they added two more of those self, uh, self-checkout machines. Yes. But you got to look at the management. That's uh, that's saving them money.
1: They have them here also, and I refuse to use them. I never mm-hmm. use them.
3: As that's another person, uh, especially over here, they're mostly whites working in the place.
0: Mm-hmm. Yahweh.
3: So, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's it's amazing everything. I, uh, and there's another. Now I don't know. I haven't seen this, but uh, I know in America. They have this uh, the the Jewish mark, uh, the kosher mark on the foods. And it's just rampant in America. Now, I haven't seen much of it here. Matter of fact, I haven't seen any of it here. Uh, have you ladies seen anything like that? Uh, the kosher mark, oh, well, the K or the U? Or...
2: Well, we've got another mark. We've got the Hal Hal mark, haven't we? And it's even on some chocolates. How they work that one out, I don't know. But if you buy the product, then a right. certain amount is going to... Um, the Islamic uh, Center in Great Britain. Oh, a- wow. and the same applies, of course, to the kosher mark, that, which does yes. exist on
1: hmm Jewish tax on food is exactly what it is; it's extortion. Yeah. Boy, yeah. You, you talk about a big. But you you, you tell Americans not to buy something because the Jews make a profit on it. And they don't care. They don't no. care.
3: Kosher aluminum foil. <laughs>
1: How do you like that one?
3: Kosher aluminum foil.
1: How about yeah. kosher, kosher Pepsi Cola? <laughs> yeah.
3: I'm just looking on here. It's I the, same with see, the uh... House.
2: And they, they've got that sign on chocolates. I mean, how can you have a I'm just chocolate? looking
3: at Cadbury right now. And I, uh, you know, I really never looked into it over here. I know in the States, it's... Oh, it's everywhere. Everything, you can't believe it. Everything is... And what a racket. You talk about ripping people off. And and 95%, I'm ninety 98% of the American public, they don't have a clue about it. And it's Blanton. Talk about uh, uh, separation of church and state. Mm. Blanton. Well, uh-huh. What would that like mark it. be, ladies? What, what kind of mark is that you're talking about?
5: I'm just how curious. The Hal one. It's spelled it? out as Hal oh, it, Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah, not a mark. You know. But the thing is, with I've heard of Marks and Spencers, which is a big supermarket in most towns. Oof that they pay a levy to the synagogue. They pay a levy. Oh, they're going to they have to do it it's it's here, sure. So that is pumping a lot of money into on,
2: I'm well, go the synagogues. But my point is right the same thing
5: happens with Hal
2: Hal. There's the Hal Hal mark, and the money uh, from the supermarket goes to some central Islamic point in this country. Yes. Yeah, and, and it's the it's, same. And it's on also. It's
0: not
2: just
1: on meat, no. which you would expect. And no. that's
2: why it's a scam, and that's why it's a ripoff.
1: It's all a scam. The the Jews yeah. have a great scam going here. I have in front of me a, a chocolate bar, which I eat too much of. That this one's from a company called Shakur. It's C H O C E U R. It's manufactured in Austria, and it does not have a kosher mark. Mm-hmm. So, so there is hope for, for yeah, that we could still eat non kosher chocolate. <laughs> <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I know Tay is gonna run down to the market right now looking for this this Austrian chocolate.
4: Yeah. <laughs> you bet.
3: <laughs> Got me running oh. to the. Okay, Packers. I have a Kit Kat here. Let me see. I'd like to check that out because it you making Something us
5: that- feel hungry.
1: Yeah. <sighs> well, well, nearly everything in America that's for sale in the supermarket has kosher signs on it. No doubt. Just about everything. everything. Yeah.
3: I have an empty Coors bottle here. Um, regular Coors. Uh, let's see. If, yep, there's the Yeah, you. A U with a circle around it. So then Jews, they see that and they know... Because I remember Coors refused to uh, take the mark and they refused to hire uh, majorities there uh, because Adolf Coors, from what I understand, was uh, murdered by by Mexicans. So he wouldn't hire any of them. So they would tell him, well, you're going to have to pay a heavy fine, you know, 150000 200000 a year. He says, you tell me how much it is, I'll pay it. I'm not going to hire... But uh, eventually the sons uh, gave in, and um, what was funny that my dad was pointing out is how you saw Coors beer in the movies now, (laughs) where before you would never see that type of beer. You'd see Budweiser and and all the other ones, but uh, you wouldn't see Coors after they... Oh, the
1: Jews don't have any power like that over society.
4: (laughs) Oh,
3: yeah. So, next thing you know, the movies, you know, you start seeing uh, a poor's beer again. But there was another um, discussion that was coming up on TV. I heard uh, the 40 days after Christ's resurrection. Where did he go and what did he do? That's always been a uh, subject I'd like to look into.
1: There is any? Well, we're not really told everything, you know. Paul says that he appeared to um, several up to several thousand people at once, but but we're not told right. a whole lot about the, those forty yes. days. Yeah, you know, there's a several times in the end of the Gospel of John where he appears to the apostles, mm-hmm. but but it's always yep. just for for. Um, A a short time. We're we're really not told what he did.
3: Yeah, I um, me, I just imagine he was setting every his apostles up and uh, to what they had to do and
1: um, whatever information they needed. Right, but we're not the. The gospel doesn't leave us with a whole lot of details, right?
3: Not a lot of details, you know. Did he go around healing everybody again? You just take, you know, take off where he left off. And
1: There's no indication of that. You no, know, did he sneak
3: back over by the synagogues and pay them back for what they did to him? You know, who knows? <laughs> Vengeance is mine.
1: But well, it's pretty much yet to come, right? Maybe that's why they don't say nothing maybe Jesus did that maybe he went back and took care of a few of them have you been has have you been listening to my Peter presentations are there any questions is there anything to discuss in in, in that aspect
3: not yet i'm no. myself I'm on uh, the book of revelation <clears throat> price right
1: you're listening to my revelation podcasts
3: well I haven't lately Time I have, i would reading.
1: Oh, you're just reading the book,
3: right? But I will get around all that stuff <laughs> once I get my uh, once I get my new computer or my new laptop and everything. I'll be able to burn some DVDs.
5: Uh, the book of you know, it's so detailed, you give so much detail. Yeah,
3: you gotta, uh, it, it is, is excellent. You gotta, Plus, yeah, you gotta understand, Bill, <laughs> A lot of information they gotta dig through.
5: It's really full of information.
3: Is there anything that you wanted to add on that that, that uh, one to bring to attention or
5: who
1: me? And for what, Christ, right?
3: Oh. To add With the what, right, strike No, on your Peter presentation.
1: No, I have one more chapter to go tomorrow night, and and um, I'm partially prepared for it. But how, I, I don't know what I could add at this point. I I I was just hoping that there would be questions or, or um, issues. I I just asked in case there were. Right?
3: Well, you I... uh, that is Angel. a big uh, subject brought I up about them. the world and the word world. I do run across that a lot with people I'm trying to explain that to them. About and the, the book world. of
5: Enoch you brought into the last Peter broadcast, which was very, very interesting.
1: Uh, it's well, well of... right. And, and I was sitting here the other night and, and somebody brought up somebody named, um, one of the guys that that frequents the chat server here every night brought up this character named David Tate, some sort of identity, identity pastor or preacher or teacher or whatever he's pretending to be. I I, I don't know. I, I never heard of him before, but but he's claiming that um he's making this wild claim that Charles changed the date of Enoch and lied about the date that that the writing is from, and and that Enoch, that Jude wasn't quoting Enoch, that Enoch was quoting Jude. And and that's this guy's argument, and and it's one of the most ridiculous arguments I'd I'd ever heard, because entirely independent of the Charles translation of Enoch, we have Enoch in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Mm. And, And it could fully be established that Enoch... In the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Dead Sea Scrolls have to date to before 65 A.D., without a doubt. Mm-hmm. But they have to, and that's because in the Dead Sea Scrolls, Jerusalem is still standing. There, there has been no war in Judea with the Romans as of yet, and therefore they have to be from before 65 A.D. And there's all sorts of Dead Sea Scrolls references that prove that. And with Enoch and Dead Sea Scrolls, Enoch had the the writing had to be around long before Jude wrote his epistle.
3: So are you finding that uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls are backing up a lot with the Bible uh, saying?
1: Well, well, the Dead Sea Scrolls are are, are merely, a lot of them are merely copies of biblical scrolls, right? And and the Dead Sea Scrolls writers have are, are totally ignorant of Christianity. And that could also be established. Yes, the, the writers of the Dead Sea Scroll—it was a sect in Judea, and they knew nothing of Christianity. What, which means that they probably existed before the time of Christ. I, I mean, yes. the Dead Sea Scrolls—that they're sectarian writings, right? Yeah, of course.
4: Yeah,
3: but. Um all uh, right but i mean a lot that's that's writing that's written in the dead sea Scrolls, the uh, the bible goes back it up back the
1: bible up well well it's basically now, just copies of the biblical books right uh-huh. it, it's i wrote at length on the dead sea Scrolls on William Fink versus the paul bashers and in, in that and i'm going to um later Bash- this year i'm going to present a series of Saturday programs based on William Fink versus the Paul Bashers. That that paper on my site, right? which I originally wrote for a series of Clifton's teaching letters.
3: Mm. But Clifton, he has tons of it too. <laughs> I was just going over. Uh, uh, <clears throat> like i i talked to you before last week about the calendar issue and that kind of stuff and what uh well you know everybody does have their their belief
5: this i myself week is i'm week. week. um right tomorrow... it started is the crucifixion. He pass Passover, his last meal, and then a couple of days he was going to Pilate, Caphaeus and Herod. So tomorrow is the crucifixion. And then well, well,
1: according to Ken Lentz calendar it was April the April second into the third, right?
5: That's right. right. Yeah, well, that's the same date I kept the Passover on. Oh. It's all coincided, but he didn't say anything about unleavened bread. It's for seven days, and right. the, um, um, and then the wave sheaf after the last seventh day, is the <laughs> resurrection.
3: Oh boy, I'll tell you.
5: <laughs> so
3: all over. It's all that's fun. what
5: I I keep because to me it's. I mean, I can't argue the point if it's absolutely correct, but it seemed logical to me. Mm. So, and the Jews, um, there's two days differently the Jews keep. Uh, um, in fact, in Clifton's paper, Bowen papers, the two days comes out in that, and. Um, but scripture is not terribly clear you can't absolutely pin it say so this is
3: it Well, i think it makes more it makes more sense uh like i was also reading clifton's uh uh letter 152 december 10 that uh also there's a, the moon is involved the moon calendar is also it has to be I always thought it has to be uh, both. It has to be no, the moon and yeah. solar. I, I just don't think it was Eli James. who was bringing up that he positively, absolutely said that. That they stated
5: it. the moon part. It should be the months. The beginning new months, and they yeah, put that, new moon and um, yeah, the new month. Yeah, but and
3: that started on a new moon. And that's,
5: well, there's, uh, there's queries about that, that interpretation.
3: Yeah. Um,
5: well, it it, it is, does say it's that isn't a, It's a solar calendar. It's not a loony solar calendar. Yeah. That's, there's
3: the first Corinthians, one uh, glory of the sun and the glory of the moon. Stars and... So,
1: but while Clinton's well, shown yeah. that the moon definitely figures into the calendar,
3: of course it. I, I, of course it does. I believe it does, and I don't understand Eli saying that if you go by the moon that it's just it's uh, it's not going to get the same exact date next year. And well, of course you're not going to. do it. It's going to be a day after <laughs> the way it is. The calendar is, but. Um, well, I guess I got way off here. I I assume that it was the new moon last month.
1: Bounce your fourteen days. But so, well, well, there is debate over what exactly constitutes a new moon in Scripture, right? Yeah. But, and, and it can't be proven one way or another, right? It really can't. <laughs> that's
3: that's what I'm coming to find out. Conclusion that. Uh, I don't know. We're going to have to wait till Yahweh returns and get us straightened out on it. I don't. Know. I, uh,
1: Clif- assume- Clifton's here if he wants to add anything. I don't. Yeah, you know, I don't get myself. I try to explain it on my forum last yes. week when I posted Ken Lent's papers on my forum. Right? I like Ken Lent. He's a real nice guy. I think he's an authentic guy. He means well, and um, and and that's enough for me, right? I I don't care when we celebrate the Passover, to be honest with you. It's important that we celebrate the Passover. It's important that we celebrate a Sabbath. But there's reasons why Paul told the people in Colossians to let no man judge you concerning feasts and Sabbaths and new moons. Yes, I can see why. It's because we can't have a proper calendar. Our ancestors didn't keep the damn thing in the first place. They couldn't keep it. (laughs) it. It's not that... You know, there's some clowns today that say, oh, they couldn't keep it because it was too complicated. It's not too complicated. They couldn't keep it because of their sin. Look around us today. We see the same thing all over again. Yep. And and, and there's a reason why God pulled that, all that away from us and cast us out of his kingdom. It's because we were sinners. It wasn't because the calendar was too complicated. And, and I saw that clown Richard Niemela Repeat that in an email oh, last yes, week. Yes, Richard, I plan on getting on him about it, but I haven't done it yet. Well, well um. Friend Richard. Basically, there's a reason why, and, and we see right in the gospel that there were conflicting dates for the Passover. It, it's very clear in the gospel account. The apostles didn't say to, to Christ, hey, you, you know, you're going to die next week, so what day you want to celebrate the Passover on? Because we can't do it on a regular day. That's not what they said to him. That they said, when do you want us to, to? Where do you? Where do you want us? Tomorrow is the Passover. Where do you want us to go and prepare the Passover for you? That's what they said to him, and he told them where, and they believed, and he professed that they were celebrating the Passover on the Passover. Right, but, exactly. yes,
5: but he wasn't crucified on the Passover.
1: But no, he he that's wasn't crucified on really. on the Hebrew Passover. He was crucified on the Jews Passover. Yeah,
5: mm, that's right.
1: As the Gospel of John attests. Mm, yes, absolutely. Mm. I didn't realize that. It's it, they Christ ate the Passover with the disciples. Only one of those dates could be the right Passover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They both can't be.
3: Right, he did. He uh, he, passed over with them, and then it was that. Uh, when was it? The next, the next day. He. Uh, uh,
1: the time frame. Yeah, you know, the, the, everything that he did he when he was, was not here not on this earth was for the benefit of the people.
5: He was cut off in the middle of the week, and it's the middle of the week uh, in the seven days of unleavened bread.
1: Right right here, John 2.13. John John 2.13. And the Jews' Passover was at hand.
5: Yes.
4: Yes. That's right.
1: Wow.
3: There's something new. uh, What was that, John? What... uh...
1: John, John two thirteen. Why would he say that? The Jews' Passover was at hand.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why would he say that? Was wouldn't it be his Passover too? Well, evidently it wasn't. Evidently, Christ and the disciples had a different Passover date than the Jews. But Christ was slain on the Jews' Passover day when when all of Israel, all all of those, the remnant nation was right. celebrating their passover according to the pharisees, right?
4: Exactly. Yeah.
1: But when they said to him, "Where do you want us to prepare the passover?" they per- they believed that they were celebrating the passover with Christ. Not early, mm-hmm. not two days early. They didn't know he was about to die? They didn't know that? Even yeah. though he told them that, they still didn't know it. They were still shocked what when he was um when he was arrested and they all fled, right? Mm. They didn't know what was going to happen. They thought they were celebrating the Passover on the correct day. So it must have been the correct day. And there must have yes. been two calendars. There yes. had to be differences in the calendar at that time. That the Pharisees mm. in Jerusalem would celebrate, were, were using a different calendar. Yeah,
3: even back then, they were still trying to... Uh... Well, as you know, they they told him that they were God's people. They had the the gall enough to tell God Himself that they were God's people, that uh, you know God loved them and they were Israel. And uh, so, I guess they would blame this also. There you go. They were doing it way back then too, trying to uh, portray themselves as being true Israel. Huh. Amelia. Remember him? Clifton remembers him quite well. <laughs> I'm Clifton.
1: <laughs> Still around? Yeah. Yeah, I'm about to lace into on. My today,
3: I believe, yes, I believe he was, uh, he believed in at the time, and I, I would tell him, like, if he was here, I would tell him that I remember that he um, believed in the one sea life
1: He's a clown.
3: I remember him. Anderson. No, there was another one that uh, was with um, oh, who was that? Uh, who was that uh, pastor? So-called pastor down in uh, Emory, Shelton Emory. Shelton Emory had a uh, another pastor, an old guy that was with him. He was an ardent, staunch, ardent one seed line guy that even um. Used to that Pete Peters one, oh, that guy's name. He, um, but he he and Richard Namelia, Andy Anderson, and Dalton Emery, they all believed in the.
1: I see all those guys as part of the problem, right?
3: Yep. I remember, too, uh, Clifton confronting them. <laughs> Clifton confronting all of them.
1: <laughs> there's the creation and there's there's the corruption. And if you don't understand it, lines are totally genetic, then you must be part of the corruption.
3: Right. Well, who was that, uh, Clifton, that uh, you were dis- – I think it was Richard and Amelia that –
4: well, we got one of the so guys much. that was in that gang was... Um, who else was that? Uh, Colonel Jack Moore.
3: Jack Moore. Yep. And he spelled his name M-O-R or something H- like that. H R H R Oh. Well, who was that? Who was the guy that Shelton Emery... I, I think this is after Shelton Emery died. And there was a another guy there, an older guy... That um they listened to that Pete Peters.
4: Yeah, um, he, he was real boring, I remember. Yeah, and- do you
3: remember he was um and he was a real ardent, staunch one seat liner and no devil and, and he's the one who got Pete Peters uh turned that way. And uh myself I never heard of uh never heard of one seat liner. I always thought
4: know all, I, heard heard I, all, all <laughs> I know is I had um, uh, videos, uh, several videos with uh, Jack Moore and this other guy that you're talking about.
3: Yeah, that
1: old... One uh, seed line is a basic denial of Genesis 315. That's all it is. They're Genesis 315 deniers. Yeah. They're not one seed liners.
3: Right. And... and um, yeah, they're the ones that I that I remember first bringing that up. I don't know what about what about you, Lifting. Uh, I don't. I think it, I mean, that's basically where I heard that story. Uh, and then uh, they got into the discussion about it that went on. For, I mean, they were writing papers. This guy Andy Anderson wrote me a paper on the word "let." I think, and it was twenty-three pages just on the word "let" uh, translated into. Some, you know, sexual connotation or something. I don't know. It was amazing. And I can not you know, I don't really type that well, so. But, well, uh,
4: uh, Jones was. Uh, uh, Jones.
3: That's the guy.
1: Anybody um, needs 23 pages to describe one word as a serious problem. I'm right? telling you,
3: you wouldn't believe it. It was just going on and on. But, uh, I think Clifton, he put them all in their spot so
4: <laughs> well you take back in the early 90s the anti-seed liners had just about everybody convinced
3: yes they did uh, i never did uh, i never could swallow that because it just it didn't no way it made sense it just did not make sense and then from there then they started the Paul bashing. Then all of a sudden, it was Paul that, that wanting to take out thirteen. That Jack Moore, I remember he wanted they wanted to remove thirteen of the books of Paul's writings because none but a heretic. And
1: well, well, Yahweh removed Jack Moore, right? <laughs> he?
3: I don't know.
4: Well, James, I don't guy, right. He ain't here. <laughs> I remember that I wanted Jack Moore to live long enough. Uh, for one of my pamphlets To get back to him And he lived long <laughs> enough for that <laughs> oh, I didn't know
3: he passed away Yeah
4: And and a friend of mine sent it to him Oops. And he, he wrote a quite a letter back To my friend uh, uh, Unhappy about what I had written
3: Yeah <laughs> Yeah you were making them all You're blowing the wind out of all their sails I do have to say that
1: Clifton Um but- well, well uh, uh, Chris DeGuny is one of the top 50,000 websites in the United States now, right? Good. And um, I don't see any one seedliner sites that, that get any traffic, so. Or, or right, any seedline yeah. denier sites that get any traffic. Jack Moore, right. I, I don't know if, um, if, if two seed liners stop mentioning them, then nobody will have ever heard of them next year, right?
3: Right. Yeah, Jones, Reverend Jones, uh, something George, not George oh,
4: that's Jones.
1: That's the other guy, Jones. Bad ideas. Jones, don't, bad ideas don't last. Yeah, and Pete Peters, he was—he uh, listened to that Jones guy too. He was,
3: and so was the guys up at—I uh, couldn't believe in Sandpoint because I met, all, I knew all those guys up there. Um, Sandpoint Church, in Idaho. And uh, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that they
1: would uh, leave the one seed line. Just really, oh, fall bad ideas don't last. They've all compromised, and and they've all fallen into obscurity. And and, and identity.
3: well, you know, you think that they all believe the same way you did, and then they come to find out this one seed line thing. Up, I don't exactly know where it started. It could have started by that Reverend Jones, whatever his name
4: is.
1: Um, I don't think one liner" is a good name for it. They're basically non-seedliners. They're, they're Genesis
4: 315
1: deniers is what right. they are.
4: And you have to include uh, Stephen Jones, you know. Stephan Jones, yes. Stephen Jones. Well, most yes. of
1: them go into universalism. Most of them go off into universalism in, in one way or another. And and, and they're, they're no better than Baptists, and and they're not their works aren't. you know they they've all gone off into the chaff, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um. Nobody's perpetuating those ideas that I know of, and, and having any success. Yeah.
3: Um. What was that? Did you ever? Get, did you ever discuss this? Uh, with that uh, that Reverend Jones, uh, Clifton, you remember?
4: No, I never. Uh, you know, I, I I had a lot of stuff uh, that I sent copies to Stephan Jones. Uh-huh. No, I never contacted that other Jones you're talking about. Yeah, right. Um,
3: because uh, I remember I was uh, getting some uh, papers from your Letters back then, it was very interesting. <laughs> I just never be- I just never heard of that.
4: Well, Dave Barley invites all the herbs barley to come into his meetings. You know,
3: Dave Barley—that's a guy from
4: Sandpoint, uh, up- Idaho.
3: Yes, Dave Children I met Barley a, a few son times. Of law. Yeah, I met Barley. I mean, uh, nice guy. But this was way back in the late, late 80s. Um, I was up visiting my brother up there in Idaho, and I met uh, Barley in uh, Idaho and spent a half a day at the church and all that stuff. And I mean, I never realized, never heard of that one sea
1: line thing. From what I understand, his wife runs his ministry anyway. Uh, and he's embraced Arabs, and, and he's basically a sand nigger lover and a universalist. Sandy Point.
3: He's up in Sand Point where the sand niggers are then.
4: <laughs> but, and, uh, and Dave Farley, in one of his uh, papers, or, you know, his monthly papers, it, it was generally 12 pages, I think, or eight pages, I guess, Um, he named every universalist in, in identity. Hmm. And was right there was hardly anybody that was that was non-universal so oh. i started add adding uh you know i called it my ministry uh clifton uh emma Heiser's, uh teaching ministries and i i changed it to clifton emma Heiser's non-universal teaching ministry. right that's
1: right did he name Eli james is Eli james in that list <laughs> i don't think so
3: Sorry, everybody, everybody's listening in. I you know this is supposed to be a forum, but some of these things pop up, up, you know. That was uh, that was some interesting times, and then it went from that, from what I understand, like I said, and then they started attacking Paul. Our, our own people that I personally knew are attacking the Apostle Paul now. And I just thought, gee, these guys, they're just, who are they? I don't really know them. thought they were on our side.
1: That, that's something I'm going to mention. It, if you go back to the first and, and second centuries, the, the people that were against the Jews the most wanted to throw everything out of the Bible except Paul. Marcion is a big one, right? Uh. Yeah, you know, the Paul Bashers today claim to be anti-Jewish and, and they want to throw Paul and Luke out of the Bible. Well, well Marcion was anti-Jewish and, and he wanted to throw everything except Paul and Luke out of the Bible. Yeah. He, he did. He threw the rest of the books away. He only kept Paul and Luke. So so the Paul Bashers are basically tools for the Jew. They, they can't even see that.
3: Of course. I, I always thought there must have been, one of them must have been a Jew talking like that it just didn't sound like any Christian identity ministers that, that I ever heard like well, you know, well they
1: you know Clifton was, and I basically demonstrated in 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 the um Paul Basher series that I did that all of the doctrines of the Paul Basher's come from Jews and <laughs> Jews and, and sexual deviance and they admit it WG yeah, Finlay I, was was one of the first big identity Paul Bashers, and and he admitted getting all his information on Paul from the Jew, Jacqueline Prince. Who is this, uh, Bill? W.G. Finlay. South Africa. Oh. Uh, that, yeah, that's and, all uh, of the um,
3: well, no, Paul Bashers. That's when Dan Gaiman came out with his book. Line, I think. And uh, Uh, Mike Hallamore, he came out with the book, uh, The Apple Story. Um, uh, To explain um, the 2C line, which is pretty.
1: Well, I'm going to do a. um, That was very interesting. Probably next year, I'm going to do another 2C line series, right?
3: That's good. It's good to have because uh the average people coming in uh to this message um understand.
1: Yeah, I'll probably do it next year to replace the 2C line series I do with you.
4: I think that Joe Ju- uh Johar Kim Prince was from New Jersey, wasn't he, Bill?
1: Yeah, he was. Him and John Spong, and and they were both the, the source of a lot of the Paul bashers' information, and and one's a Jew and the other one's a, a queer. Yeah,
3: that uh, that was a very uh, that was a big wake up call there to talk about the. Uh, sh- Yeah, after whatever yeah that's
4: that's bong he uh ordained homosexuals in his church
0: uh-huh.
1: and there's no wonder he's a Paul basher because Paul openly spoke against that homosexuality right yeah on, on several occasions so the, so the, so the sexual deviants have to disdain mm-hmm. Paul. And then Paul bashers in Christian identity you want to follow them. It's incredible. It's a totally Paul bashing in Christian identity is a totally unacceptable cognitive disconnect. Right. And and, and that's why I, I posted a paper on my website three years ago called "A Line in the Sand" that, that I wouldn't have anything to do with any Paul bashers. That they I didn't even consider them to be Christians. To me, they're Jews. If you're a Paul basher, you're a Jew. If you don't understand Paul. That's understandable because the things that Paul wrote about are very difficult to understand, but don't blame Paul.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: That's basically, yeah, you know, I'm going to get into that a little bit tomorrow night with my presentation on two Peter <laughs> chapter three, because Peter, um, absolutely, um, corroborates Paul, the legitimacy of Paul's apostleship. And, and I'll be discussing that tomorrow night.
3: And, uh, you know, he was, uh, Christ ordained him to do a job that he had to go do. That well, well
1: then only he was qualified to do. That. Is, That's that right. the, the first 11 apostles weren't qualified to do.
4: Uh, Christ okay. himself legit, legitimized Paul uh, in one of the Asian churches there.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. I, I had that in, in that Paul Basher material I did that, that um... Christ telling the Ephesians that, that they left their first love legitimizes Paul because Paul founded that assembly in Ephesus.
3: How many uh, languages did Paul speak?
1: Not well, at well, least, it's he not known, right? About
3: four languages, didn't he?
1: He probably Latin? spoke Hebrew or Aramaic and, and Greek and Latin.
3: Yeah, that's. uh
1: was a uh, well-educated man, intelligent man. Well, most people at the time were bilingual. It, it, there weren't too many trilingual people, I don't imagine. Latin's a difficult a, a difficult language to master, e, e, especially even for a Greek speaker. It's difficult to master. Right. Greek was the common language on the streets of, of Italy. Greek was commonly spoken throughout Italy. Wow, isn't that something? (laughs) There's a lot of Greek words in Latin. Because Greek was the common language. Latin was the language of the Roman people, so it was the official language of of the government and military, but Greek was the colloquial language.
4: So
3: that was kind of like English today.
1: Yes, absolutely. I
3: mean, English is kind of like the universal language, it seems.
1: Yeah, well, Greek was the universal language even of the early Roman Empire. And, and it was only the um, after the fall of Rome that the Roman church made Latin the official language of the church. That Latin, you know, Latin would have died with Rome if it weren't for that. It probably should have. We'd a lot, well, we'd have been a lot better off coming up with, with um, strictly Greek. Greek Bibles. More truth in it. Yep. That than with Jerome's Vulgate.
2: Wouldn't
3: have the word Gentile.
1: Yeah, right.
3: Wouldn't have the word
1: what? uh... Gentile. Oh,
3: yeah, Gentile, (laughs) yep. Yeah. But anyway, uh, getting back to our calendar that we were discussing—that's that's interesting. Everybody, the <laughs> different opinions and dates and everything. Um, <laughs> I don't know.
1: I will have to. Well, well, okay, I'm going to call it a program, and and, um, we'll we'll be back here on the 19th of April. The end of April and the beginning of May, I'm going to be on the road. I'm actually going to be at Clifton's house, and and, um, I'm going to be at Clifton's house for, for at least... 11 or 12 days but for four days in between i'm going to michigan and and i'm doing my programs two weeks in a row from clifton's house we're going to have some good programs we're going to have some programs based on a couple of the the papers that clifton is about to publish on his website this week and it'll be fun so um the next euro forum uh, i the date is tentative right after the 19th, I'll be here on the 19th, and and the one after the 19th, the the date is tentative. I may not be able to do it on um on May 3rd. We might hold off until May 10th, and and have it the 10th and the 24th in the month of May instead of the um the 3rd and the 17th. And and that'll allow me to travel and still prepare for my um programs on on the weekend of May 4th and 5th, right? Mhm. Uh-huh. That's fine. Okay, thank you all for being thank here you. and I'll see you in 2 weeks and and praise Yahweh, Yahweh and Yahweh bless